0: My Car Guru, episode 182. Well, hello and welcome to this edition of My Car Guru. You know, the timing here is perfect. When I was driving to work this morning, uh, my F-150 2022 model was making a noise. um, And I hadn't heard it before. It was kind of like, well, to me it sounded like there was a rock scraping against Um, my brakes or my brake rotor. It's kind of what it sounded like. And so I said, okay, when I come to the dealership and I have a problem, and especially when I'm going out of town in a couple days, going to take that vehicle, I need to jump a little bit ahead of the line. So I actually go in the service department to one of our top technicians. I said, would you ride with me for just a minute? Do you have a minute or two minutes? He said, yeah, sure. He jumps in the car. We drive. We don't get a hundred yards from the dealership. And he said, that sounds like a rock in your dust shield. I said, that's exactly what I thought it sounded like. Well, come to find out, folks, it wasn't a rock. A bolt had broken on that holds the axle in on my truck. Now, that's not something that you want to have happen. Um, the axle was not going to fall out of my truck because of some other little uh, attachments that are there. But you wouldn't want to drive it a long way because it is not considered safe. It could set up a a bad vibration and a wobbling that could, in turn, lead to to a catastrophic failure of your rear axle. Not a good thing when you're driving down the interstate at about 70 miles an hour. Um, And it all started uh, with the noise, right? With something that I was hearing. And it's, it's so important to listen to your vehicle. We get so, I don't know, caught up in what's going on the, uh, on the news or satellite radio, or whatever we get in and our radio volume is set at the same volume it was when we left and that's pretty high. And if we drive off, we really can't hear the noises our car's making. Uh, for example, when we start it, uh, there are certain things we need to be listening for. You should really turn your radio off and drive out your driveway, let it warm up a little bit, then turn the radio on. because there's a couple noises that it'll make when it's cold that if it's making those noises, you got a problem. And you need to get it addressed before it becomes a really big problem. And I'll, I'll get with that here in just a minute. I do want to mention that uh, U.S. sales were up in um, August. Matter of fact, the uh, industry rose about 4% overall. Uh, Ford was up 4.8%. I'm a Ford dealer. That's why that's interesting to me. Uh there were a bunch of automakers who reported that were, that their sales were down. But uh, for the most part, the industry, and that's what we kind of look at, actually rose over the same period last year. So that's good. Something not good. 17 different states are weighing the option of adopting California's electric car mandate. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but by 2035, You won't be able to buy a new car in California that is not 100% electric. They won't even let you buy a hybrid, according to the current law. Now, that's fine. You know, if they want to make laws like that, that's fine. That puts a whole lot of pressure, though, on folks who don't have the money to buy an EV. Also, the people who don't have confidence in the uh, charging infrastructure being out there, you know, so that they're traveling. People drive a lot in California. Uh, sometimes they have these very long commutes, may have to charge up before they make it all the way. But uh, several other states are jumping on this bandwagon. Washington, Massachusetts, New York, Oregon, and Vermont are expected to adopt California's ban on new gasoline-fueled vehicles. Colorado and Pennsylvania are a couple states that were kind of following California. They're probably not going to. So if you live in Pennsylvania or Colorado, you probably won't have to do it. The ground's a little murkier in Minnesota. They have a uh, clean cars rule that has been basically a political minefield. Uh, it's been a subject of a lot of debates up there with all the politicians in in the uh, land of ten thousand lakes. Meanwhile, Republicans are rebailing, rebailing. Yeah, they're rebailing. They're rebelling big time in Virginia. So that's just. Northeast of where I am in Tennessee, and they are rebelling, so uh, they have that same mandate. Uh, so they got to do whatever California does. Well, I wonder why they hooked up with California. I didn't think Virginia was as liberal as it is. It's not totally. I think there's maybe a 50 50 split there. Come on down to Tennessee, though, it's not, not even close. Uh, a lot fewer liberals than, than conservatives. But, you know, we all need to be able to get along and talk with one another. You know, they always could before, um, you know, back in the days of when LBJ was the president, and even Richard Nixon, or, you know, even our friend Bill Clinton, you know, he was able to work with Republicans, and uh, you just didn't have the uh, level of of angst and anger and vitriol that you have right now. So hopefully our politicians can get past that. Uh, you might want to free up a little cash in your portfolio. Porsche is getting ready to have an IPO. That's an initial public offering. They're, they're basically uh, being sold by Volkswagen to raise capital. According to these reports, it'll raise between 60 and $84 billion. Um, in order to buy that stock, you're going to have to settle for non-voting stock. It's kind of like the Ford Motor Company. You know, the Ford is a publicly traded company, but uh, none of the voting stock is issued to the public. That's all controlled by the um, Ford family. So, you know, the Ford family only owns, I I can't remember what the percentage, maybe it's something sticks in my head, it's like 13% or something like that. But, uh, you know, their 13% makes all the big decisions. All you get are dividends and stock appreciation. Lately, it's been stock depreciation. But I'm reading a lot of good reports. A lot of these people just um, love the fact that Ford is making a big commitment to EVs. Uh, Matter of fact, I just uh, drove an EV last night, the Ford F-150 Lightning. And like I say, it's impressive. It's very smooth. Um, When I got in, I think it was about a, I don't know, 80% charge. It says it has 215 uh, miles of range left. So, uh, you know, that would get me around Greenville and Upper East Tennessee for uh, several days. I don't drive near that much, but still, uh, going to the beach, no thanks. I don't want to have to worry about where I'm going to charge. Also, GM is offering to buy out a bunch of their dealers, and we'll talk about that here in just a second. I was a GM dealer once for many years. We were a Chevrolet family and uh, we eventually became an Oldsmobile dealer. Well, Oldsmobile sales started tanking, and GM said, hey, if you don't want to be an Oldsmobile dealer, we'll buy you out. Well, they pretty much shut down the division, so we didn't have a choice, and they paid us. They paid us a certain amount of money. It was a pittance uh, compared to what i thought the franchise was worth several years before that that's that's weird though when they just pull the rug out from under you like that and say this is how much money we're willing to give you and it was non-negotiable but gm is offering to buy out uh, another franchise now there, this one is not going to go kaput uh, the buick franchise is still going to be around at least for a while you know, I re- that's one of those lines that, you know, that's my grandfather's favorite car. He was an old country doctor from West Virginia. He wouldn't drive Cadillacs. He could afford them, but he wouldn't drive Cadillacs because he didn't think it looked right. So he bought um, these big Electra 225s, deuce and a quarter. And um, so he really loved his Buicks. And he would be a fan of Buick even today if he was still alive. But Buick is uh, wanting to eliminate a lot of their smaller dealers. There's a, a large number of dealers. I think it's uh, almost 30% that sell five or less Buicks per month. And so you have to think, is this something that, uh, that we need to maintain if we're only selling five Buicks a month? Now, there are only 13 standalone Buick dealers. That, that means that that's the only franchise they have. They're just Buick. And more than likely, those dealers are going to stick it out, but they may not. Um, You're going to see a lot fewer Buick dealers. You know, in small towns, if there's a multi-franchise dealer, let's say you have a dealer that is all GM and he has, you know, Chevrolet, Cadillac, GMC, and Buick and Hummer. You know, Hummer's coming back, but it's going to be under the GMC uh, nameplate. Uh, let's say that you have uh, all those franchises and then GM comes and, and you're only selling like four Buicks a month and GM comes and offers you, uh, you know, a quarter of a million dollars to give up your Buick franchise. What are you going to do? Well, you know, how much money are you making on the ones that you're selling? How long would it take you to generate $250,000 in cash? And what are you going to have to invest as a Buick dealer since they're going all EV by 2030? That's one of the brands that has said, hey, if you don't want to be an EV dealer, you don't want to be a Buick dealer, because in 20, by 2030, we will sell nothing but electric vehicles. So that would be enough to turn me off, because I think it's going to be 2040 before the any kind of real infrastructure is out there. Now, I understand that the government's kicking in, I think it was $60 billion to uh, build out A lot of infrastructure along United States controlled highways. So that would be like, well, um, U.S. controlled highway through East Tennessee is Highway 11E. Used to be called the um, what did it called? What was it called? The Lee Highway. Yeah, Robert E. Lee can't say that anymore. But when you know EVs or electric charging stations become as prevalent as gas stations, then then you know I think a lot more people. Will jump on board. It is a kind of a fun thing to drive. It has unbelievable thrust, and um, the torque on that engine is amazing. The range is not, though. I mean, even in the you know this F one hundred and fifty that I'm driving, it's I think the maximum is three hundred and twenty. It's funny though. Every time I charge it, it never says three hundred and twenty. It bases the range on you know your kind of driving habits. And we've had a lot of youngsters, young salespeople out there showing how fast this thing will go. So it the, during well, as far as its calculations are concerned, it's when fully charged, it's only got about two hundred and fifty miles of range. But if you know you're conservative and you drive it right, you might go three hundred twenty miles. Might go further than that. Just hope that you don't run out at Bucky's. You know the Bucky's. Are you familiar with them? There's a that monster of a 7-Eleven. It's like a 7-Eleven on steroids. But uh, they have like one hundred twenty to one hundred eighty gas pumps. But no chargers. You think Bucky's will get into superchargers? You know, if you don't put in a supercharger, a level three charger, you might as well plan on staying there for about eight hours. But if they put in a level three charger, I think this F-150 will charge in about an hour, hour and a half. That's still a long time to sit. Um, Like a Tesla at their supercharging stations, they'll charge 80% in I think it's 40 minutes or 45 minutes. That's still a long time to sit. I'm not that patient. I just want to pump the gas and move on, don't you? Well, anyway, let's talk about sounds. Let's talk about noises. And I'm not talking about the grandkids in the back seat. Let's talk about car sounds that you should investigate. Okay, so you go out to your car in a chilly evening, and it's a chilly morning. And you start your car up, and, and you hear a tick, 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 tick. tick. Um. Now, sometimes that tick, tick, tick will only last for about 10 seconds or so. And that's, wh- that's because the, that's the valves and the lifters in your, in your top end of your engine, okay? And um, so basically you've got a uh, lack of oil up there, and, or they could be worn. And so when that happens, um, if they're worn, then you need to have something done to your engine. Uh, you're going to see other problems uh, result from that, and and that would be like smoke coming out of your tailpipe, uh, and it's blue smoke because it's oil, and so that's not a good thing. But you know, you just want to make sure that that if if that it does start making that noise, that it goes away quickly. Now you might be due for an oil change. You know, if you've got oil that has uh, been in your uh, engine for you know, more than 10,000 miles or you haven't checked your oil light lately, it might be really low. That's not the way to find out your oil's low. I mean, you're supposed to use your dipstick. Do you even know where it is? You know, one of the things you should do today when you go home is, is uh, let your engine cool off a little bit, then raise the hood and find the dipstick. Uh, make sure you're on level ground. Pull it out. And don't look at it then. Well, just wipe it off, okay? After you pull it out, wipe it off. Use a rag or paper towel or something. And then look at where the marks are on there. You'll have two marks. One is the low mark. That's at the the end of the stick. And the other is the full mark. And you've got little hash marks in between. Stick it back in all the way and then pull it back out and see where it comes on the dipstick, If it's at the add mark, then you've got too little oil, and that might be why your engine is ticking when it's cold. It could be that you have the wrong oil. You might have a a very higher viscosity oil than your car calls for. Viscosity is like where it says 10W40. Okay, that's a multi-viscosity oil. It changes. It has the ability to handle cool temperatures and hot temperatures. Uh, Maybe the place where you got got your oil changed, just put in 30-weight oil. Or you know twenty fifty or something like that, and you're supposed to have zero weight oil. So anyway, all of these things can uh, can happen, but that's what that pecking noise. Let's let's say you fire it up and you hear a knocking noise. Now uh, uh, you know I'm talking about sounds like somebody hitting a hammer on a piece of wood. Okay, that kind of noise when you rev the engine, that's a serious problem internally in the engine in the lower part of the engine around the crank it could have something to do with the crankcase or the connecting rods and if you hear that noise then you're you're going to have to have an engine rebuild again this can be caused by lack of maintenance Um, if you hear a metal on metal sound when applying your brakes or when you're just rolling it's going that means that probably that your wear sensor that is on your brake pads is uh, now touching your rotor. So they got this little piece of metal. Your brake pads will wear down over time. Okay, they've got this uh, material on them, and I won't get into that. Into that that helps you that grabs a hold of the spinning rotor and slows your car down. Well, when that material wears down, it gets to a point where there's this little metal tab that sticks up, and when it wears down so low, that's the first thing that touches your brake rotor. That's the metal on metal sound that you're hearing, and you can hear it when the pads get really worn it'll be the first thing that touches the uh, the rotor and you may hear it all the time just when you're coasting so uh, if you hear that you better get your pads replaced because what's going to happen is the next stage is the rivets that hold on the brake pads hold the brake pads together themselves start digging and in grooves into your rotor then you have to replace your brake rotors. That can cost, just a just one can cost anywhere from $75 to $300. If it's on an exotic car, uh, when I say exotic, I mean Porsche, uh, BMW, Audi, Lexus. Uh, they can charge way more than that. So important to get that checked out. That's one of those noises you want to pay attention to. Okay, what about a roaring noise? Roar, 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 roar. Kind of like that. Now, how am I doing it sound effects? If it increases and decreases with speed, you probably have a wheel bearing going bad. Now, that's also something that is very important. Because if that ever goes really, really bad, of course, it's just going to get louder and louder and louder. But you want to get it taken care of before you're stranded on the side of the road. Okay, how about a groaning noise anytime you turn your steering wheel? Especially when you turn it really deep, you get this... Uh, Groaning noise, and it's not your kids in the back seat because you've told that same joke 15 times. It is a problem with probably a low fluid level in your steering gear. Have you ever had to have a new uh, steering rack installed in your vehicle? Those aren't cheap either. Uh, There's all kinds of things that have fluid your brakes use fluid, your power steering uses fluid, your, of course, your engine does, your air conditioning uses gas. There's all kinds of things going on. Your cooling system, you know, all of these things use fluids and, and they can all go away. And when they do go away or they get uh, contaminated in one way or another, then the systems on the car don't work like they're supposed to. And it can lead to, to failure. People complain all the time about, well, I thought this would last longer than that. Well, you should have changed it. You know, you should have maintained it. That makes a big difference. Okay, hissing noise under the hood or inside from under the dash. This could probably be a, a vacuum leak of some kind. Let's say that you're turning on your air conditioning or your heat or something. And you know how you, you go from the floor and then it's blowing in your face and you can put it all the way over to defrost and it blows up on your windshield. What if that's not changing like it's supposed to? Well, you have a vacuum leak. Sometimes you can hear it and, um, you know, it's not a real serious problem. It's just inconvenient. And sometimes it will involve replacing a part, and sometimes it's just hooking a hose back up. But that's something that can become a problem if you don't address it. What about a gurgling sound? Um, Sounds like water gurgling. Well, that could be an an obstruction in your cooling system line. Uh, It also could be an indication, especially if you get out of the car and hear it, that you've got an overheating problem. That's a serious deal. That could cost you an engine if you're not careful. Also, I, I talk about, I'm going to get into one smell. If you smell antifreeze, I've talked about this before, but if you smell antifreeze outside your car, it's just a really sweet smell. You raise your hood and you smell something sweet. Um, you know, that's, you've got a leak and that's a cooling leak. That's antifreeze that's leaking now. I wonder why they make it smell sweet. I guess so you can smell it so you know what it is, but uh, that's something you need to get taken care of because it can lead to uh, catastrophic failure of your engine. Okay, well, those are the – you know, we got to use our, our ears. We've got to use our nose. We use our eyes and our sense of feeling to tell us when things are going with our, our uh, car. So, um, you know, vibrations, um, leaks, noises, they all tell us stuff, and we need to listen. Okay, listen. All right, I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, be sure and listen in tomorrow because we're going to talk about something very important. The name of the podcast is Moments of Truth by The Car Guru. Moments of truth. You know, they, we all have certain moments of truth or untruth, things that happen that if those things happen, they change the way we think about a business, okay? Uh, we've all been there. We know, we can sense when somebody really doesn't care, right? They are just there for the job for the paycheck, and they're really not bought into the whole idea of customer service, and we know that. Uh, we're going to talk about some things that a really good service department will do, and, and I'm going to show you how to recognize it so you can make a decision, intelligent decision, of whether you need to stay there or defect to a competitor that may appreciate your business more. You know, just because somebody owns a business like me doesn't mean all their employees are going to do it right every time. I understand that. But, you know, you create cultures in your business. And sometimes if you don't remind people enough of how important their job is and how their job can be or how their performance can be perceived by customers, if you don't remind them of that, occasionally I've found that they forget. And they get very wrapped up in their own life and their own issues, which is natural. But we ha- as business owners, we have to keep the priorities in front of the people that are the frontline employees that are serving our customers because they get beat up on. I mean, a lot of people that come into car dealerships, they're not happy. You know, this is not like going to Disney World. You know, they would rather not be here. Now, when somebody comes in for regular maintenance, they'd still rather not be here. But, you know, you, you want to be able to take care of them and get them in and out, right? But if they've got a problem, if their car is down, Uh, you want to see a spirit of friendliness and and courtesy and uh, caring, right? And if you don't see that, then you might want to defect. So we'll talk about some of those issues. Thank you again for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.